You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the Honorable Judge this episode. On trial this week is the 1999 film The Thirteenth Warrior, starring Antonio Banderas and Vladimir Kulik. With a budget of $160 million and a domestic box office take of $33 million, the film was a financial disaster and received mixed to terrible critical reviews, arguing that it's actually a good thing when the original director is fired and the guy who wrote the book is brought in to fix the project, we have Dylan, serving as the 13th Warrior's public defender, arguing that it's actually a bad thing when the original director is fired and the guy who wrote the book is brought in to fix the project, we have Adam, serving as the prosecutor. Your host, judge, and jury for this week is Tom. It is my solemn declaration that I have not recently seen this movie, and I will give it the fair and balanced deliberation that it deserves. We begin with the opening statement of the defense. Dylan, whenever you are ready. Uh, uh, Cue cue the music, please. Um, Lo, there do I see my father. Lo, there do I see my mother and my sisters and my brothers. Lo, there do I see the line of my people, back to the beginning. Lo, do they call to me. They bid me to take my place among them in the halls of Valhalla, where the brave may live. And then this part's in Antonio's voice. Whatever. End statement. Let us now (laughs) hear the opening statements of the prosecution. Adam, please begin. Thank you, Judge. First off. The 13th Warrior is just not a good movie. This would have been fine as a made-for-TV Viking series back in the early 90s without a budget to pull off an epic finale. But as is, this movie goes on longer than necessary with little to no direction guiding it along. The film falls short of its goal, which is to define its distinct personality. It never achieves this, never attains the suspension of belief required for this type of genre of movie. Overall, The 13th Warrior, in my eyes, is a light version of the Lord of the Rings, but without anything interesting or nice visuals. Uh, Judge, hello. I'm waiting to see if there's oh, more. Oh, no, that was it. Sorry. That's <laughs> 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 fucking awkward. I said overall at the end of it. <laughs> you could say overall at the beginning if you want, too. That's fine. With the opening statements concluded, I will now open the floor for the presentation of evidence. Both the defense and prosecution are allowed to cross-examine at will, but be warned that any unruly behavior will result in being held in contempt of court. Defense, the floor is yours. All right. Why don't we just start with the entire setup for the movie, which is not really one scene, but I can summarize it pretty quickly. Yeah, go for it. So so the setup is really cool and interesting because it's it's a it's a story about cultural context so we have jose antonio dominguez bandera uh, who plays ahmed ibn fatlan ibn al abbas ibn rashid ibn hamad but they call him ibn so he's he's our one character um he's a caliph of some kind or a poet in the court of the caliph of baghdad and he comes into contact with one of the wives it gets banished really doesn't matter about that plot the point is that he has to go up into kind of russia regions or thereabouts and he meets the coolest motherfucker in this movie whose name is literally impossible to say it's like bull vif bull vif 
How do you even say this guy's name? We're not Volodym- using any names in this one. No. <laughs> we just can't anyway, Vladimir Vladimir Kulich, who, by the way, is a literal Viking. Like, he was pulled straight out of the Viking Age to play this role. <laughs> and he's just this Viking king with the coolest just ragtag gang of misfits. They have, I don't know any of their names, uh, but the names don't matter anyway because the point is there's one guy who speaks Latin and they're just trying to learn each other's languages and get to know each other's. And the part that makes all this the best is when they finally decide that Antonio Banderas is going to be their 13th warrior, hence the title of the movie. It's the greatest reversal of the white savior plot. Now, all the white guys need some Arab dude to come save their asses, move over Tom Cruise. We actually have something so far ahead of its time in this movie. The only problem is they cast Antonio Banderas as the Arab guy. And they fucking, they took the Arab guy and made him like a minor character who they got rid of almost fucking immediately. (laughs) But otherwise, very progressive. Anyway, that's my that's my uh, uh, first point with this first scene. Prosecution, the floor is yours for your first rebuttal. Yeah. Why should I care about any of this, Dylan? Why why should I care about this story of this thirteenth warrior? I want you to present to the jury how Antonio Banderas was selected to be the thirteenth warrior. Was it due to his charm, his skill, his his fighting? What what actually brought uh, him think, to be this warrior? Uh, Norse magic and uh, bone divination. Okay, so are we dealing with a magical realm, or are we relying on demented witches? What's what I mean, there's there's a lot of dependence on demented witches. There's actually three in this movie, so I think I, I, you answered your own question, <laughs> Mr. I Prosecutor. Two. I counted two demented witches throughout this film. Well. There were, and the, the mother, the mother's also kind of a demented witch. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so you're saying that this film is actually very progressive for its time. I strongly disagree. I feel this was just a movie that was strung together with poor guidance, and they were just going at the edge of their seats throughout this whole filming process. Yeah, well, that's just like your opinion. <laughs> no further questions, Jerry, or Judge. Adam, do you want to present a scene as well, or do we want to just like jump into the recess now? Well, the thing is, I can't actually break down a scene for this movie. Uh, I found that the 13th Warrior doesn't have one defining moment that actually makes it bad. It's actually a combination of many things put together, which just falls apart for this movie. Uh, so I do have a couple elements that I would sure. like to discuss uh, with my opponent, and uh, we can we can see where this goes. Yeah, uh, the court will allow this. Thank you. This is highly irregular, Your Honor. Noted. Yeah, we're breaking format. If Adam doesn't go somewhere with this immediately, I am going to hold him in contempt of court. Adam? Your Honor, follow up. Your Honor, follow up. I will allow it. This this is also bullshit. (laughs) He has to present a scene. I do have a scene uh, later on that I will present as my case two. But for case one, again, I couldn't rely on just one scene for defining what makes this movie bad. There's so many elements that when put together, you'll start understanding. I will try to describe a scene uh, while I'm describing these elements, if that helps. Your Honor, I am so confident in my ability to 
argue with the prosecutor that I'll allow him to use snippets, mm. despite okay. the high irregularity of the format. Stern but fair. Uh, Adam, be warned that Dylan now has a point in his favor. You may proceed when you are ready. Thank you. I want to focus on the story for right now and trying to find what actually makes an interesting script. I, I find that there should be some form of suspense, a twist, or some type of excitement uh, that actually keeps the audience engaged. With the 13th Warrior, we were just provided with a lackluster script. The focus is on the bare basics, and they do such a poor job with that. The plot can be summed up as one character puts it. We ride until we find them, and then we kill them all. There's actually no heart to this film. The fighting is not that great either. The fact that we are uh, facing an unknown opponent, we don't sense that fear throughout this whole movie, even though there is a strong push for it from the very start. We're basically being attacked by grown Ewoks, but there isn't enough suspense or supernatural elements that would convince us that the warriors were outside of their element or stood a chance. So I want to actually focus on some of the side stories that the movie tried to bring in, but just cut them off. So Dylan, would you mind describing the love interest side plot for me? Of course. First off, blonde lady. Uh, she touched his leg when he was riding out as a sign of, ah, shit, you're going to die. Tale of old time. Second love story. The blonde guy and all of his hookers. It's more of lust, but I still think there's something there. Third love story. The, the love of a leader for his men. So, I mean, this is basically a love story. So, can we... Can we go back and actually uh, go back to the, the blonde lady with Antonio Banderas? If we were to acknowledge where this actually started, where this love side plot started, yeah. and do you feel there was a big enough payoff for the audience? Do you feel that there was a conclusion to their love? The if fucking you... Wendell, the glowworm was coming down. They don't got time for this, this, this you know, chivalry and, 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 and dating. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious then why even introduce it into this film? It seemed like it was going to go somewhere, yet it just gets cut off. We have no resolution. We have no con or uh, conclusion with this with this love slide plot. So why why even introduce it to start with? Did it add to the story? Did it bring a new dimension to Antonio Banderas' character throughout this film? Yes, it it indicated his acceptance into Viking society that he think... integrated himself. I think we already established that when he was willing to go into the suicide mission under the pretense of a gypsy witch telling them that they need a 13th warrior. I think he was fairly showing his dedication to the team. Well, I mean, that is, that's one level of cultural integration. Being fully integrated is, involves something much deeper, and that is through love. And it's not his fault that the glowworm came down the mountain and he had to deal with some shit. She knew she knew the what was up. Like she got it. And who knows what happened after at the end of the movie. They could have, you know, got together or something. I was just hoping for some resolution out of this love story. Another uh, side story that I wanted to focus on, and I'm hoping that you can actually uh, describe this to to me because I actually had no idea where it was going, and that is the prince's ulterior motives. Can you describe to the jury the prince's motives 
of what was happening and why we needed a random beheading in the middle of our movie when the Vikings were helping out these villagers fortifying their their fort. You know, Adam, sometimes when you're making a movie, your dim-witted cousin needs a job, okay? He needs a job, and so do his buddies. And so you write in a, a rival prince plot line that sometimes gets aborted halfway and also doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of the hierarchy because the guy wasn't trying to take the kingship away. But that's that's Hollywood, baby. That's Hollywood. Seems like a bit of misdirection and uh, not sure what they wanted to do with the story then. That's, that's what I'm getting from this, from this side part. Let's move on to another element. And I think you actually brought this up in your opening statement that we do have 12 companions uh, for the Vikings and they are just nameless meatbags. They're actually not given an introduction, an explanation, or even personalities. In fact, full half dozen of them don't even speak. Instead, they collectively function as a single character, interchangeably assisting Antonio Banderas when the plot calls for it. So character development. We only get to focus on maybe three, three of these characters, but these Vikings should be strong altogether. They should be having each of those, each member bringing a unique ability that strengthens the team. We did not get this with the 13th Warrior. No, we only got the focus of maybe three tops with specific skills that actually paid out for us. I think we lose maybe like, what is it, three? Three or four of the warriors or the Vikings right when the first attack scene happens. So for a group that should be superior, they should be above any type of enemy, uh, they were easily taken out. This isn't some any type of enemy. This gets right back to the same problem we had with the Phantom uh, Prosecutor with either they're too weak or too strong and that's totally from your subjective perspective. You can't get to know 12 other dudes. There's only there's already a two hour movie and it's pretty jam packed with stuff. So. And this is why I bring it up saying that this is a light version of Lord of the Rings or even The Hobbit. We were, let we were me tell you another movie that had only three characters. Harry, Ron and Hermione. They didn't need any more. Those were the three. And then there's other characters who you interact with. They had like 18 books of like, and it just kept getting thicker and thicker as it went on. This was just a two hour movie. And that's why I'm suggesting that this movie should have actually be broken down into a TV series or yeah, actually just a TV series. I think it would have done a lot better job, but because they were so rushed to get this out in less than two hours, they had to cut corners. And we're seeing that with no personalities for these characters. We're getting side stories that go nowhere. We got one side story that went nowhere. The rest was just the Vendel. No, we have two. We have two side stories that are not going anywhere. We have the prince and we have the love interest. Uh, moving on to another element, and I think we can both acknowledge this. This movie was extremely dark, and I'm not speaking thematically. I'm actually saying that there were just multiple scenes where they're filmed at night or even in a cave where I had no clue what was happening. So you just have silhouettes of characters and you're not sure who's stabbing what, who's attacking who. And this is extremely disappointing for a movie like this because three out of the four action movies take place at night or in this dark cave. So when you can't see anything that's going on, how can you establish if it's actually a good action scene? Well, I just turned up the brightness. Did that help? Because yeah. I still could not make out anything in this movie. Well, I have vastly superior Swiss technology. So. 
<laughs> so I also want to mention that this this movie was actually filmed in Vancouver, where there are luscious forests and there's beautiful scenery. Yet in the thirteenth word, they decided to just mute all the colors down to just a bland yellow or a brown. So it appears that everything is just dead or dying, and it just makes the establishing shots extremely boring to look at. There is nothing visually what? appealing about this movie. Oh, I love the visuals. I thought the color saturation made it look so great. The wide angle shots of like the, the kids running through the fields. No way, Those look Dylan, great. no. Okay, they okay. look great. How, how, many, how many establishing shots were goddamn zoom-ins throughout this movie? They zoomed in so many times, and I'm not sure if you've ever used your phone and you go past 10x uh, where you don't have the digital stabilization and it just gets grainy. That's what this film had multiple times when they're trying to highlight a mountainscape where they're focusing on a hut on top of a hill. Yeah, well, I personally liked it, so... <laughs> <clears throat> And uh, um, so, and I have a rebuttal, by the way. You, you yeah, mentioned that this has no plot. I'll have you know that it's based on a plot from a little story called Beowulf. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Do you also think Beowulf sucks and has no story? No, Beowulf, Beowulf is fantastic. Because it's this the, ad- the first story in English. <laughs> this was a poor adaptation, if that's what they were going for. Well, it's actually a blended adaptation because it also takes the travels narratives of um, Ahmad ibn Fadlan. So it's, Fair enough. it's a unique take. So one other element, and this is the last one I wanted to point out was actually the pacing of this movie. I have a rule for myself that I cannot look at my phone when I'm watching a movie. And I found I was struggling throughout this whole film. The first 30 minutes is just exposition. We have a voiceover. We have uh, Antonio Banderas' interpreter explaining everything that's happening because he does not speak the Vikings' language. And this is just a back and forth, back and forth throughout this whole introduction scene. By the time we get to the 38-minute mark of the movie where the first action scene takes place, I feel that nothing interesting happened prior to that. Really, I think that the the interchange in language though is really interesting because it's also it's setting up the the world that they're in where it's no one is really speaking the language that they speak and they're just kind of using these go-betweens to communicate. So I actually really like that aspect. And I didn't actually consider it exposition because things were still happening all around like for for instance when that guy gets killed at the the very first feast i had no clue who that guy was um and they didn't bother trying to explain it even <laughs> though it's probably like another heir trying to take over the dead king's position or something i i just found that i was not interested for the first 30, uh, 30 37 38 minutes until we actually had the vikings interacting with the ewoks for the very first time but again this scene was just so poorly executed with terrible cinematography and bad lighting that i was unable to actually know what was going on and it just left me clueless well i mean i'm sorry man but that's the way it was filmed so <laughs> your honor can we move to the first recess it appears that the prosecution is impossible to please and the defense <laughs> is impossible to annoy court is now in recess adam Yes. Is there anything nice you could say about this movie? Well, I'm not defending this movie, so there's very little nice to say about it. Um, I will give it, I will give the 13th Warrior some points. It does have its moments. There's scenes near the end where they're actually in a cave and uh, they're hunting down the Queen Ewok. And there's enough tension 
uh, that I was actually engaged. I was actually interested to see what they were going to do. But as it played out, the mission that they're trying to accomplish was way too easy for them. And them getting out of the cave, rather than having to face this challenge of, I don't know, 100, 1,000 Ewoks coming after them, they were just able to get out fairly easily. So again, I would say that last element of them being in the cave and actually being very stealthy and sneaky, that was probably the only thing that I enjoyed about it. Dylan, is there anything that you hate about this movie? <laughs> yeah, that Prince plot. <laughs> Prince plot's pretty fucking bad. But um, the stupidity of him learning Old Norse like, gets me every single time. See, I was so even going to acknowledge that. Sitting, he's just sitting around the campfire... <laughs> And he just listens. They don't talk to him. They don't point and explain a single word. But he just kind of intuits the entire grammar lexicon of their language by just sitting there and listening. I listened. <laughs> and um, it makes no fucking sense. You can't just listen to a language and figure it out. They have to be like rock and pointing at a rock. Fire. Point at fire. You need How more context. How is he supposed to build... Yeah, so how do you build a language, a comprehension of a language, by just listening to a conversation with zero reference point? Well, because he didn't just that, listen, he listened. You said it yourself. I listened. Um, See, and this is, this is what I don't understand about Antonio Banderas' character, though. Like, if he's that smart to be able to pick up a language... Like, why is he Why is he on this mission with him? I feel like he didn't have anything invested into it. It was just like he was just brought into the situation, like just tossed into it. And he's just like, yeah, I'll go for the ride. Well, that that I kind of felt like he was coerced. Like, they were the, the witch, whatever she was, I don't think she's actually magic. Like, she walked into the place and saw him. Yeah. And she's like, the 13th warrior can be no North man. And I'm not saying anyone has to do it, but uh, there's like only one other not Northman in here who's not an old man. But can you imagine um, the scenario playing out like any anywhere else? Like if if you were to enter, I don't know, like if you were to get drafted. Actually, that's a poor example. I'm just trying to think of like what was the consequence? <laughs> did you just of it? did you just give did you just give an example that worked and you just rejected it? Yeah, I'm gonna throw getting it away. drafted would be exactly <laughs> what happened. But it's just but with like with that you're trying to protect your country. Like you're you're going out and you're you're doing something for the greater good, right? But for them it's such low stake because it's a very small group. It's just I don't understand the consequences of him leaving at that moment. I didn't think they were going to know. kill him. I didn't like I didn't get that sense from it. So why couldn't Antonio Banderas just left? Would they have the, killed the, him? The I don't think implication they was they might have killed him. They might I, have. Uh, they seemed way too friendly. Like that's they they were they killed they they just killed a guy and burnt a woman alive. No, okay, they killed that guy because he had a knife and he was going to try and attack their leader. For Antonio mm. Banderas and his interpreter, they seemed very peaceful when they're coming in. Uh, okay, so okay, wait, I, hold on, hold on. So let me get this straight, Adam. It's okay to burn a woman to death and kill a dude. That's friendly. <laughs> what would make the Vikings unfriendly? No, I meant like. Okay. They Let have me the remind reasons. you: you are under oath, even though the court is now in recess. <laughs> yeah, we'll just continue it on. They had their reasons for killing that man. I can't remember why they burned burned the woman. I actually don't remember that part. But the reason why they killed that man be, was because he was about to attack their leader. So I was thinking that he was part of another group. He was maybe assassin trying to come in and do this job. Um, but for Antonio Banderas and his interpreter coming in, it seemed like it was a more 
peace mission. Like he said, he was an ambassador. Like he, he wasn't looking to disrupt them in any way. He wanted to learn about their culture. Uh, your so, honor, your, your honor, I know why they burned that woman. Uh, yes. Whenever you're ready, please uh, inform the court. It's so the king would have a servant in, let's keep it real. It's so the king would have a slave in the afterlife, which Adam thinks is just a-okay and totally <laughs> cool and makes these Vikings nice guys. Adam, that's really disturbing that that's your viewpoint. I don't know. I don't know if there's any coming back from that. That might be the end. <laughs> that is definitely not my viewpoint. There was no context for that in this film. Uh, they definitely did not establish that's the reason why they were burning this woman alive. So if there but was, But didn't you I don't just say you it. forgot all about the woman to begin with? Maybe there's other <laughs> things that you're forgetting as well. How can we be sure? This, this could be very true. But I do not recall them acknowledging the reason for why they burned the woman. They really, they literally do say that, though. I'm do not they? making that shit up. Are you serious? Yeah. They actually said that? Yeah, they explained it. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I just was Because not... Antonio's like, why, why do they burn a woman? <laughs> and they're like, well, why do you have Spanish, Latin accent and you're supposed to be Arab? And he's like, do not ask me. Like, okay, well, why Because why, why they burn a woman? And they're like... So they, she can follow her king into the afterlife or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I missed that completely. Wow. Well, thank you for pointing that out, Dylan. Your Honor, can we move on to the next scene? Court is now in session. Adam, please present your second exhibit when you are ready or right now, whatever comes first. <laughs> so I'm going to focus on the last scene for the 13th Warrior. And I have to say, this last scene is nothing more than a poetry slam gone wrong where they end up beating an Ewok to death. And that is it. First off, I want to point that there's no sense of scale regarding the enemy for this scene. We have no clue if the warriors, the Vikings, are facing 50 to 100 to 1,000 Ewoks during this battle. It's very unclear with how the shots have been set up and established because everything is so focused in and only focusing on the top half of your actors. Uh, we don't get that sense of danger. Second, the actual fighting during the scene only lasts 30 seconds longer than the poem itself. For a movie that has classified itself as an action movie, there's none to be found. The final battle is nothing more than just this man, this Ewok, getting bludgeoned to death after two hits, and that's it. So, objection! Objection, Your Honor! My, my opponent demands too much from this movie he'd gotten three battle scenes before this which were completely got, dark which were completely he got the fireworm first scene he got the mine battle they've had three battles at this point already and you sustained make prosecution must remember to only expect what the movie can deliver nothing else please continue you could not make out these action scenes. It was so dark, you couldn't actually see what was going on. So I consider this the first action scene of the movie because it's in, well, not broad daylight, it's fairly gloomy. But it only lasts for a minute. I think I actually have timestamps for this. I'm going to bring Objection, in some evidence. Objection, your honor. I cannot, this movie cannot be held responsible because the prosecution watched it on a VHS player. <laughs> Sustained. Prosecution must admit that they did not have their glasses on when they were watching the film. <laughs> I had my glasses on and I watched it off my laptop. He, and he also has special driving requirements. 
Your Honor. <laughs> Prosecution, is this true? That is not true. I would like to bring some evidence forward for this scene so you actually get a, an idea of how long this battle, this climax of the movie actually took. Can I present my evidence, Judge? No. Next point. <laughs> <laughs> the court would like everyone to know that brevity is the soul of wit. Uh, defense, your rebuttal? The defense would like to call Bill Wolf to the stand. <laughs> Mr. Bill Wolf, throughout these proceedings, the prosecutor has tried to bias and distort reality for the jury by calling these enemies Ewoks. Is that an accurate description of the enemy that you fought in this movie? No. In your own words, sir, could you describe this this enemy that you fought? Yeah, it were the Vendel. And the Vendel was the Gloverm. And the Gloverm... Ah, fuck, this is not going anywhere. I'm going to do Antonio instead. Your Honor... Your Honor... Your Honor, the defense would like to... I have to look up his name. Hang on. Your Honor, the defense would like to call Ahmed Ibn Fadlan to the stand, please. Hmm. Uh, the court will allow this. Mr. Ibn, my name is Ahmed Ibn Fadlan al Ibn Abbas al Ibn Rashad Ibn Hamad. Sir, were you or were you not called Ibn throughout the movie? Yes. Could you please describe the Vendel in your own words? The Vendel was not the Ewoks. Um, that sounds kind of Mexican, and we might need to edit that out, so I'm going to try and do it a little bit better. Um, How many people can, can Dylan offend? <laughs> Your Honor, I would like to call the guy from Lawrence of Arabia to the stand. So be it. I'm not actually going to do that. Okay, we're going to abort <laughs> this uh, this attempt. I thought it'd be funny. Uh, I was definitely funny. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. What was the question again? Was there a question? <laughs> no, there was no. No, this flaw. is just your rebuttal to Adam saying that um, he hates action films. I think that was no, the thrust the of his argument. My my thrust of my argument was that the final fight scene, the climax of the movie, was just a poetry slam gone wrong. Right, but they'd already killed the queen at this point. It really felt like the the worst of it was over, and the, the worst the, the fear. Yeah, because they'd had the the first attack, and then they had the second attack, and after the second attack was when they were in the shittiest state. So this one felt like it was a massive conclusion. But yeah, they did kind of wrap it up kind of short. You you think this know. would have the most tension mm. because they're so weak. They're down on their numbers, and they have no idea how many enemy, like number of enemies, is coming their way. You think this this would be the Helm's Deep? Could you imagine if uh, you had Legolas just shoot the the warrior orc, and all those orcs decide just to go home? Uh, don't even try to fucking out nerd me on Lord of the Rings because that's literally exactly what happened in Lord of the Rings. They had the Battle of Palantir Fields, and then what did they do? Battle of the Black Gate, where it was, like, tiny and lasted 20 seconds. Did I just slam you? Yes, I did. You did. Uh, 
I'm out of the court will anyways. officially record that the prosecution has been slammed. <laughs> okay. Your Honor, I'd like to bring up a scene of my own, which I feel will clarify that what these, these enemies are, because I feel like we're, we're missing so much by going straight to the end, because that was the last battle. The, the first battle was way more intense. If you had your brightness up. Can I go there? The court will allow this, yes. So so in the first scene, which is straight out of Beowulf, by the way, they really, literally got it right from Beowulf, this part of the story, we still don't even know what these things are, which is what's so cool about them. We don't know that they're if they're humans or not. They look like bears, not Ewoks. They're full-on bears. And they fight with, like, bear claw hammers. And the whole time... You, it's dark, but that's because they attack at night and in the mist and in the dark, so it's supposed to be kind of dark. And it's supposed to be confusing. And then what you get at the end is this really haunting, weird sound, like music, and then you you realize that they've hauled out all of their dead, and they've taken the heads of all the guys that they've killed, which is by far the best fight scene in the whole movie. So in rebuttal to that, what does my opponent have to say? Because that is the best fight scene, not the last scene. Sure. Yeah. So let's let's actually look into that fight scene because I want I, again I want to acknowledge that it was extremely dark, so it was hard to make out what was going on. But the scenes that were portrayed with the fire uh, next to Antonio Banderas or other characters, you always had the camera zoomed in on only the upper half of the actor, and they're just swinging their sword frantically. So there's like there's no choreography. Um, there's no idea of how many enemies they're attacking, what the actual threat is for this. There's been multiple shots where the the camera is focused on them trying to fight this enemy and a horse runs by blocking the shot. Or we have the camera move completely out of the way when the attack is happening. So again, you have no sense of engagement with these action scenes. There's no tension and it's just poorly captured and displayed throughout this whole movie. An outstanding argument made by an even more beautiful human. Before I make my final ruling, both sides must present their closing statements. The honor did is I... yours, Dylan. Sorry, uh, did Dylan not have to present his case, his second case? He did? You bitch! Interrupting <laughs> the judge! Sorry, I thought... No, okay. don't apologize. Uh... We could just skip straight to final ruling now. I've made up my mind. <laughs> Knew this was going to happen. Okay, go ahead, sorry. May I move on to my concluding statements, please? Your Honor, it's really hard to top my opening statements, which come straight from the travel journal of Ahmed ibn Fathlan. This movie is a historical romp. It takes us from the windswept deserts of Iraq to somewhere kind of like Bulgaria, we think to the north, Scandinavia. You learn about culture. You learn about the past. You learn a little bit about what might be Neanderthal cavemen or something like that. The point is you learn watching this movie. You learn to love and you learn about cultural exchange and valuing the other. What the prosecution doesn't get by his blindness to, um, well, just blindness in general, he can't see anything, is the message. And that message is, we're all people, and we're not cave-dwelling bear monsters. I rest my case. Mm, strong, powerful words. 
Prosecution, the floor is yours. The 13th Warrior is a film with confusing plots, filled with forgettable characters and uninteresting action scenes. I'll admit there are a couple standout moments that avoid this movie from being a total disaster, but overall, I was feeling that this movie was a miserable failure, and its attempt at being unique against other action movies during its time just falls flat on its face. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Too often, we may rush to judgment on a film before having seen the entirety of it. Now, I believe that there are positive qualities in this film based on the testimonies and statements I have heard today. I do believe that the spirit of camaraderie between the Vikings, the brotherhood, the battles that they fight may be exciting. But I do know that the prosecution could not see what was happening in this film. Not would not see, but could not see. And I think it's very important that a movie be seen. And if you can't see what's happening in a movie, it may not be worth your time. To that end, I choose to not see this movie. I condemn it to a fate worse than death. I condemn it to maximum not seeing this. And with that, the court is adjourned. Come back next time for a new trial with new litigants in the never-ending parade of schlock that is Grindhouse Courthouse. Motherfuckers. Grindhouse Grind... <laughs> Grindhouse Grind Course. Grindhouse Grind Court is adjourned. Oh, fucking shit, that's hard to remember. Gr Grindhouse Courthouse is adjourned.